This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Up next, Star Talk Special Edition. I've got Chuck Nice, I've got Gary O'Reilly, and our geek-in-chief, Charles Liu, to help us decode some of the deepest questions asked by our Patreon members, including, for example, are there any questions that astrophysicists think about that we don't have an answer to yet? Well, what's up with that? Also, where are the terrestrials, extraterrestrials having conversations with each other? Can we decode it? Is there some special encryption that they're using that we will never know how to break into it? We're going to learn about that. Also, a little bit about quantum field theory. What is it? Why does it matter? Coming up on Star Talk. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Special Edition. And you know what that means? We got Chuck Nice, Chuck. Yes. Hey, hey. Got Gary Riley. Hi, Neil. All right. And we're doing Cosmic Queries grab bag. And I think I'm okay with a grab bag, but generally we need bigger guns than that. So we went into the silo, typed in the launch codes, and <laughs> out came... Chuck Lou, Charles Lou, how you doing, dude? Hi, Neil. Yes. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Oh, what a Excellent. pleasure! Welcome to be back here. to Star Talk. Thank you. You know, I'm unworthy. I can get them, I can get them to the get them near the edge. You could take us off the edge and take us into orbit, and that's what we need you for Ooh. in these situations. We got questions from our Patreon members. So, so this is grab bag. So, we, what do you guys have? What did you bring to the table today? All right, let me jump in first. Thomas Cochran uh, from Kansas City. Are we thinking? about the fundamental slash basic components of the universe incorrectly. Perhaps the universe's most basic building blocks are fields, 
instead of particles. What merit does quantum field theory have? And there's already a thank you tagged on the end. Oh, that's mm. so nice. Well, the bottom line is you're both right, whether you're thinking in particles or in field. In fact, quantum field theory is, in fact, trying to knit together quantum mechanics, special relativity, and classical field theory. Ooh. Right? Uh, field theory is what? It's, it's pretty straightforward. We, as particles, interact with fields, such as a gravitational potential field of the Earth or some electromagnetic field, something like that. So different kinds of objects, depending on their properties, interact in different ways with different fields. Now, if you think instead that we as particles are actually not static things, solid things or whatever, but are rather waves or fields, but in sort of strange, unusual concept, then you can just mathematically express every particle in our bodies as a field interacting with a larger field. Or with other kinds of fields, maybe the Higgs field, the thing that provides mass. So uh, we're not looking at it wrong so much as we're looking at it in an incomplete fashion, right? One of the big things about the universe, right, Neil, is that uh, we still can't knit general relativity and quantum mechanics together. So people are using different approaches to try to get at the same answer. And it's totally okay if you're not able to address everything with your theory, as long as somebody else is addressing the other stuff with another theory. Maybe we can bring them all together. Yeah, I would add a nuance to that, that it's not that there are fields and there are particles and never the twain may meet. It is the very interaction of fields and particles that is the universe. That is what, that is the operations of the universe. So one of those would not be more fundamental than the other when they need each other to manifest the universe as we have come to know and love. Now, we might say something else. We might say, is there something more fundamental than both? the field and the particle. And and Charles, would string theorists jump into this at this they point? They might claim. Right, yeah, they, that they a want particle, to claim that. If the claim is that a particle is just a manifestation in our space-time of what we see of a more complex object, then the interactions of strings, to some extent, might either supplant or supersede interactions between fields or interactions between particles. Right. Right, right. So that would be a deeper understanding, but we're not choosing particles versus fields, right? No, we're, we're, they're both working together very nicely. That's right. Worlds are colliding. <laughs> Think cats and dogs are sleeping together. <laughs> yeah, that does happen. That is a Bible verse, isn't it? That's the, one of the signs of the apocalypse, right? So who's next up? All right, how, how, about, how about Brandon Cortazar? Oh, look at that. And Brandon says, hello, Neil. Hello, Charles. This is Brandon from Scranton, PA. Oh, My question nice to town. both of you. Hi, Brandon from it Scranton. Is. Yeah. Uh, say hello to the people at Dunder Mifflin. My question to you both is, what is the one thing that is currently unknown in the science and astronomy world that you wish to find the answer to before your time on this earth comes to an end? Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Why so... Why so ominous? Yeah, the way that I, re I, I had no you other change that to voice to make it sound yeah. like to an end. The words required him to say it exactly the <laughs> they, way he they, did. They did, you know. <laughs> I mean, we we are speaking of your ultimate demise. Whoa. 
<laughs> no, 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 Chuck, it's your ultimate demise. You know, it doesn't weigh the same, I guess. Right, okay. exactly. <laughs> well, uh, Neil, you have one? I, I, I think I, I, I know second. one. I got lots of You want to go second? Here. Okay. The one I want to know, I would like to know, is does life exist outside of our solar system, outside of our Earth, mm. that's based on DNA? I imagine, based on all the scientific knowledge, there is life out there. And when people ask me, do you think there are aliens? I say yes. But the question is, would we recognize them if we see them? Would they have developed the same way that we did? So my question is pretty specific because Brandon asked about being scientific, right? I got to narrow it down instead of just saying, is there alien life? But is there alien life based on DNA? That's what I would like to do. Huh. How Prometheus mm, of you. It is, it is. But wait, Charles, what you really mean is not is it based on DNA. You, you have a, the broader question is, because that's just a yes, no. The question is, if there is alien life, on what system of chemistry does it base its identity? Be it DNA or anything else. Sure. That, that's it, really that would the, be the extension of my question. Yeah, yes. yeah, mm -hmm. okay. Right, but if it, if it is based on the DNA, which we find in all human life, and sorry, in all life yes. on this mm -hmm. planet, mm -hmm. all life on this planet, okay, we share that DNA, then that would mean most likely that we came from someplace else. It could mean that, that, but it wouldn't have to. I'll tell you why. It wouldn't have no, to. It's a common ancestor. But, but, it, but it'd be a very uh, likely... Um, scenario that we came. No, no. All you have to do is else. look at the strand, look deep in the strand of DNA, see if it matches anything here. If it doesn't uh, match right. anything, it's a complete separate. It's genesis. completely separate. Correct. Right. Correct. Right. But if there are markers that match, no, then we got. That it. means that we share something hmm. that's out there. And, and Charles, isn't it true in Star Trek that they finally fessed up? Season seven. Season oh. seven. <laughs> Star Trek: The Next Generation. The episode Holy called "The Chase." Yes. Damn. Uh, that's, that's why he's old. John Luke Picard's old anthropology professor figures out that there's something really cool, but unfortunately, he dies before he can find the answer. So Picard takes the Enterprise all around, and they find out indeed that the reason all the Klingons and all the Romulans and all the Vulcans and all the humans have two arms, two legs, and one head is because they share a common genetic well, ancestor. A common ancestor. Yeah, there it is. Right. So what if, what if this isn't a, a DNA commonality here? And you know you ha you end up with Fermi's paradox, and we're we're look where are they all? That mm -hmm. that we're just not looking in the right way. They've turned up, and they're all gas based. And well, <laughs> it's and this is why I think mm. that Neil's extension of my question makes sense. Yeah, if we are wise enough or or insightful enough to look for life in ways that we don't have it here on Earth, we may find it much more quickly than we think. Or you can take sort of the Edward Snowden idea and think that any intelligent uh, species out there will do its best to hide its presence from anybody else so as to protect their privacy. Oh, they're shy. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, and there's a Star Trek Next Generation episode about that too, where the Enterprise goes into an environment for a bunch of very shy aliens. And they usually yes. find a way to sort of push the anyone who comes in away. But... The enterprise is too good. They show up, and so they wind up having to interact with the aliens, and then they have to. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's one where they literally push the enterprise away with a repulsor beam. Oh yeah. As they approach the planet, but yeah. Right. Well, actually, there's a branch of the military that concerns itself with this. There's an interesting phenomenon. So 
if I send you a signal and you decode it, I don't want you to decode it, right? So the fact that you know it's a signal is because it looks different from everything else that you're otherwise coming to your detector. So what I want to do is encode it so that you can't figure out what's in it. And the perfect encoding of my signal is where when you receive the signal, it looks completely like noise. Because if there's any lingering structure to it, then you hand it over to the cryptographers. And then they decode the structure and they'll find the message within it. But if I have a key that will turn my message into something that's statistical noise to you, then all then the- my recipient already knows to go ahead and decode that. No, no, you would have to have the key. To- no, I'm saying the recipient has the key. Has the key. You're, that's exactly. why you're sending but, it to but it. But here's my point. The, the argument then is the most sophisticated forms of communication will be indistinguishable from noise. From just And from the just civilization noise. will just disappear into the din of the background. And you will never know what anybody's saying ever again. That's a limiting case of, enco- of, of encrypted messaging. That's what just, I put it out just there. Just blast it with a bunch of static. Why waste your time doing that? Well, because your signal would still be visible within it, unless your signal was encrypted to look like static. Correct. Yeah, it is. No, I, so my answer to that question is, I, I want to know if, it's a two-part question. I want to know if we are smart enough to even answer the questions we have posed. Ooh. Or better yet, are we smart enough to even know what questions to ask? That's the, I want the answers to those two questions. Mm. Well, We're still I'm asking. The answer. But isn't this where AI comes yeah. in, Neil? Where we set it up to ask for the things that we haven't thought to ask for, to look for the things we haven't yet thought to look for. And okay, that'd presence. be great. We put it, put it to work immediately mm-hmm. because I can tell you this, a chimp will not know to ask the question, for example, uh, can the rotation rate of Earth slow because an earthquake changed the moment of inertia of the rotating sphere? It, not even bubbles could ask no. that? I think bubbles, <laughs> I I think I don't bubbles know, would Neil. ask I that. Mean, but just think, that's a not, question but... that is so removed that they don't even know that's a question. So I want to know, are there those kinds of questions we could be asking about the universe and we're not even there yet. And even if we're there, will we know to ask the question? That's the question right. I want answered. Well, Let's ask Bubbles right. at Jim. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Oh, Keep it coming. Those are great All right, answers. Um, Go ahead, Gary. Bill Whistle or Wesale, Wesale, there's a number of ways you can pronounce this. Uh, he's from Texas Hill Country. There's probably only one. I know, but, he, betting, but he even admits we'll probably get it wrong. Since time travel okay. causes mass to disappear in one space-time and appear in another, wouldn't that require a mass-to-energy conversion in the, in the original space-time and an energy-to-mass conversion in the destination? And wouldn't that essentially be a huge nuclear bomb or reverse? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, let me see if I understand the correction correctly. I'm, I'm going to answer... Because uh, I, I, was, I was about yeah, to say, I'm going, I don't get what he's I'm going to answer the and, question. And, wait, and, before, and before you answer, Charles, so, so Gary, look me in the eye, okay? Repeat after me. Nuclear. Nuclear. Thank you. 
not nuclear. Nuclear. Thank you for my, thank you for the correction. Thank you. <laughs> nuclear. You're not George W. Bush. Okay. Oh, thank you man. for that. Okay. Thank you for that distinction. Okay. <laughs> On this show, it's nuclear. Okay, go. Okay. Charles. So to avoid a nuclear explosion, <laughs> the way that we would solve this problem is <laughs> much, appre- That's much the worst appreciated. Kind. <laughs> That's the worst kind Gary, of explosion. You pronounce nuclear yeah. however you want. I know. You'll but still I- be part of the nuclear family of startups. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> All right. Here's the story. I'm assuming that what the question is asking him is time travel backwards and in a large jump, like say from here now to Jurassic times or to uh, the sinking of our Titanic or something like that, right? Because we are always moving through time anyway. When I am here and then an hour from now, I move down the street, you know, to get uh, an ice cream cone or something like that. Uh, then what will happen is that I have just moved in space and time, right? And there was no nuclear explosion. So the question I think is being asked is, is there a, a scenario where if you're moving not the way we ordinarily move through space-time, would that cause a contradiction and some sort of huge energy release because mass has been displaced and there's E equals MC squared and things like that? And the wait, answer... Wait, are, are you sure the question isn't really your mass changes as you move fast. So are you getting that mass from some other place? Is that getting converted out of some form of energy or vice versa? That could be the question too. Maybe. That could be the question too. I'm not sure. sure. The bottom line is it's a great question, but we're not exactly sure what the answer is because there are ways to interpret that question. Mm -hmm. The bottom line is I would say that generally speaking, Time travel forwards, you know, which was what we do, and occasionally backwards, like what antimatter particles do, does not necessarily have to cause a, an equals MC squared like release of energy. You can do it in other ways. Charles, did you just say antimatter moves backwards in time? You just said that, didn't you? I did say that you could think of antimatter as as backwards traveling. Oh, matter. okay. He's he's yeah. doing a he's doing the Enrico Fermi thing on a- us here. Am I yeah. correct? No, correct yeah, me if correct. I'm wrong. You're correct. Yeah, you're correct. You're correct. <laughs> Okay. It was it was discovered part of the the discovery thinking that led to the prediction for antimatter was antimatter would be indistinguishable from regular matter but moving backwards through time. And then they figured well everything's moving forward through time so maybe it's a new kind of matter called antimatter. So that's how that came about. Pretty wild. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. 
Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops Driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops Driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops Drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash startalk. Code startalk. Okay, give me some more. This is Anthropocosmic Dylan. He says, Neil, in Cosmic Queries, you make the distinction between intelligence and life. Other than the common ways we transmit messages like radio and light, could we be bombarded with measurable or tangible transmissions and just not know it? Thanks, Dylan from San Diego. Yeah, that relates to what we just said a moment ago. We just said that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, I, we just talked about that. If the civilization wants to be noticed, their signal should look different from the background noise of the universe. Otherwise, how could they could expect us to pick it up? I would assume they're smart enough to arrive at that conclusion. But if they wanted to talk about us without us knowing, mm. which would be the alien equivalent of pig Latin in front of children, okay? Or some, <laughs> or, <laughs> or some you know, way that you do that, they would, they would as we said earlier, they would encode their message. You need a key, and with that key, it would be able to decode complete noise into the signal that you put there. But the real issue, because the, there's an issue here, the real issue is how did they get the key in the first place? How do you send on them the, the key? key? Yeah, I'm going to say the key is pig Latin. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wouldn't it be funny if they just sent us a message in Pig Latin? <laughs> <laughs> 
Al Yay, Ar Yay, Ooh Yay. Or Ubby Dubby. Ubby Dubby. There's or a great Ubby-dubby. one. So, Neil, Bye-bye, do we need AI to, to build us a 21st century Enigma machine? Yes. Okay. I think AI will do things that we don't know how to, we can't figure out how to do. By the way, Charles and I, as astrophysicists, have been invoking the brilliance of computers from the beginning. And not just doing rote tasks, but have it do tasks where it's going to discover stuff that we would glaze over if we had to review that much data or just find things that are weird or wacky. So uh, now we can get it to try to decode or to invent a code that could be sent. Sure. AI, you know, we don't fear AI the way everybody else is right now. Okay. Mm. It's not in charge just yet. So you guys, I want to speak. You guys, I, I, you guys are going to destroy us all. I see. I see. I already know the Trump. name of our robot overlords. Yeah, but Charles, I don't want to speak for you, but I think we're, we've been using the powers of computer ever from the beginning. Yes. And all of a sudden, a computer can now compose your term paper, and everyone loses their shit. Well, you just stepped into the world of of of, of, of the liberal arts. Those, I, those term papers are like C plus, B minus at best. I wouldn't worry. I'd about agree. That. If you really, yeah. if, if you, you look really at, look the, at no, they'll be, they they may get better. In my most recent final exam, I had for my students the following question: Type the following question into an artificial intelligence language generator. And now tell me what the answer is wrong about. <laughs> Interesting. So you trick these people into using AI. They're like, damn, this guy won't even let us cheat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a matter of, it's a matter of them understanding what you need to know today, right? If we can't be better than some free app you can get on the internet, then what is your value to an organization or to a graduate or to program anything. or to a, a, yeah, a, a company, right? So you should learn how to use them, see their weaknesses, and use your education and your thought processes to make you more valuable. And that's how we must move forward in all of education. If we teach people exactly the same way it we did be that in the, the 19th century, mm-hmm. you know, which unfortunately a lot of times we do, especially with math and science, right? What are we giving them? What is the advantage that they're getting from their education? Wait, wait, wait Chuck, Gary, Gary, I think. Charles Liu is the overlord. I'm going to say. <laughs> All right. So keep going. What else? Who's next okay, up? Okay, next up, Who's Nathan next? Hill. Right? Nathan Hill's from Austin, Texas. And he did go to your Cosmic Perspective talk, as well as the Q&A when you were down there, Neil. I was there, yes. So yes. I, mean, I gave the talk, yes. My question <laughs> is regarding gravitons. If gravity is an effect of mass warping space-time, where does the need for a graviton fit into the relativistic model? Ooh, I think I have an answer for this, but Charles, you got it or what? Well, I'll give my best answer to you and you, you fix it up, okay? So if it. you have a, a piece of mass sitting there in space, there's the distortion of space and time, okay? There it is. It's, a, it's, a, it's the fabric responding to the existence of the mass. Now you poke the mass. You either collide two black holes, you jiggle it, you, you shake and bake it, and a ripple gets sent. That ripple moves at the speed of light, and the quantum analog to that ripple is a graviton moving at the speed of light. And so, but the fabric shape itself is not the graviton. That's my understanding of this, Charles. I think you've said it exactly correct. Uh, the, another way to think about it is the following. The graviton is a particle that's been proposed but never been detected. And the reason it was proposed is because we want to try to fit gravity into quantum physics, right? The 
theory of relativity that Einstein came up with did not have in it this idea that you had to have a particle transmitting gravity. But once we built quantum theory and quantum field theory and all those kinds of things, and we got the sense that in order for any one particle to interact with any other particle, a third particle has to mediate the transfer of something between those two. This is the field theory. That's right. And so Mm -hmm. people said, well, if gravity is indeed a field that generates force, then there must be a particle that transmits that force. Let's call it the graviton. But it doesn't fit well in the current standard model of particle physics. In fact, you don't need the graviton to do any of those things with quarks and fermions and bosons and, and all those kinds of neat things. So at the moment, gravitons remain a mystery and they're a placeholder for some more sophisticated physical theories that we don't have yet that will link quantum mechanics with general relativity. We have nonetheless detected gravitational waves. Yes. So that's a very Nobel Prize right. all around for that. That's right. And so, Good deal. N- yeah. Numerous people do think that uh, the gravitational waves are essentially an indirect confirmation of the existence of gravitons. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. So basically what you're saying is we've rebuilt the engine and we've got this other stuff left on the side. (laughs) But we know it's important somewhere, but we can't quite work out where it has to go in the thing. Yeah. Then you start the engine and then your car blows up and you know, oops, that should have gone there. But oddly that doesn't happen. That's the weird thing about it. Everybody I know has rebuilt an engine. There's always some parts. They're just, they're, <laughs> yeah. it's, the, it's the universe's uh, equivalent of an Ikea like, furniture. <laughs> That's right. Why do I have this I extra what, Allen wrench? What the yeah. heck? What is that? Why is all this stuff left yeah. over? But, you know, it works. The chair it works. works. Mm. It works. It works. All right. This is Johnny. And that's all he says. Uh, but uh, Johnny says, hello, Charles. Hello, Neil. In a prior episode, Neil mentioned that Hawking radiation process Uh, occurs due to the intense gravitational energy directly around the event horizon. Is it really because of the curvature that it's so intense that it manifests into actual energy? Or is it just the energy of stuff it's sucking in? I have always thought that gravity was just merely potential energy. So there's a lot to unpack in that question, John. Let me me rehand it to you, Charles. So tell us the difference between just the gravitational field and and what we think of as gravitational energy and then energy right. density. Just unpack all that. Right. Ours. It, gets, it gets a little bit in the weeds, but fundamentally, if you have a field and you have a particle in that field that interacts with the field, there's a little bit of energy. When you move that particle in the field, it feels a force and some sort of energy gets released. Depending on where you are in the field, the amount of energy released varies, hence the concept of energy density. Over here, you're going to have more energy per cubic centimeter or volume, yeah. something mm-hmm. like that. Over there, you have fewer. Okay. So when you're talking about Hawking radiation in a black hole, there's actually a lot that still needs to be straightened out. All right. Now, what Hawking was doing was doing a quantum slash thermodynamic argument about any object that's in the universe that's compact and it's got some sort of event horizon. Okay. But really, you can take those equations and extend them, and you can say that pretty much anything exerts, pretty much anything emits 
something along the lines of Hawking radiation. It's just that for black holes, uh, it's actually important because that amount of emission is the only stuff that's coming away from the event horizon of the black hole, right? The rest of the stuff is all outside the event horizon that's doing any kind of emission of energy. So that's why Hawking radiation is cool. At the moment, we don't know if it's because of you know some sort of, uh, say, effect that you have antimatter matter pairs near the event horizon. We don't know if it's quantum tunneling. We don't know if it's just some sort of basic thermodynamic effect that happens in all cases. So there's still mystery there. So you put your finger on a good question that yet needs to be answered. I tell you what Brian Green told me recently. I had lunch with him. Brian Green up the street here at mm-hmm. Columbia University. The Elegant author, Universe guy. Author of The Elegant Universe mm-hmm. and several other books to follow. So he told me that there's emergent thinking that this vacuum energy of virtual particles that pop in and out of existence, and these particles are, are matter and antimatter pairs that energy creates, and then they refine each other, and then they become energy again, which is a vacuum version of what Hawking radiation is right outside of a, out of, right outside of a black hole. He was suggesting that when they are created and separated, they're quantum entangled. And while they are quantum entangled, the actual connection between them is a wormhole. Oh. Which is how you can have information move basically instantly, okay? Or, or, or the state be resolved instantly mm-hmm. because it's an actual wormhole. And what he said was that the very stitches of space-time might be this myriad network of wormholes created by virtual particles coming in and out of existence. Hmm. So it's not cool. just metaphor that the space-time is a fabric. It's like an is a fabric, and the wormholes is the material that weaves the fabric of space and time. Wow. That freaked me out. I did it's very cool. That. Oh. That's really cool, man. Yeah. Well, the that virtual is, particles wink really in and out cool. of existence in tiny fractions of a second. So they have to keep replenishing themselves all the time if that's the fabric of space time. Otherwise, the fabric of space time just falls apart like the tapestry that's been hanging yes. for too long. Oh, mm. oh dear. <laughs> oh, dear. A renovation <laughs> in the castle. The castle. Yeah, you know, the end, the end of uh, this guy's question, the end of uh, Johnny's question, he says, and I always thought gravity was merely potential energy. But surely right. that can't be the case in space because there's no up, no down. It's not like right. I could take it gravity, up so it drops down and I've got potential energy. Gravity is not potential energy. Thank but you. Gravity, if you have a particle that's in a gravitational field and that particle has mass, it contains gravitational potential energy, which can then be released if it falls through the system. Okay. And but in just that to be case, clear, it's not a matter of going, not there. If the particle's not there, we still use the phrase, it's a gravitational potential. Okay. Okay, the potential well. You get put the particle here, then it has gravitational potential energy. Right. I just want to put, finish that thought. You're exactly yeah. right. And right. so, mm-hmm. in space, we don't worry about up or down, Gary, as you rightly say. Yep. We worry about whether it's in or out if it's close to or away from yes. some sort of yeah, gravitational is. center. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. all cool. good. All right, Brian Ridge doesn't say where he's from. Uh, instead of dark energy within the known universe, is there a chance something beyond is sucking to cause the expansion of the universe from beyond? 
If it was traveling away at the speed of light, we would never witness it. Right? Question mark. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so Charles, does the, does the universe suck? Hey. <laughs> the universe does not suck. Actually. Okay, thank you, thank you. And okay. neither do black holes, but that's another conversation. I was going to mm. say, which universe doesn't suck? <laughs> well, thank you. Actually, there's, the other universe sucking. There's, yeah, there's so many of that's them, right. Charles. I mean, that's come true. on. Now, in, in order well, the question first, is whether another universe right. is creating this anti-gravity right. sucking. Is, mm-hmm. is somehow causing the expansion. Right. Uh, in, other, in order for that to happen, there are two assumptions you can make, and it depends, right? Assumption number one is, if that were the case, then that means that our observable universe is just a little bubble in a much larger universe, and something around the outside can therefore create that kind of expansion through suction, right? But that, that hasn't been confirmed yet. There are ideas, for example, something called eternal inflation, which suggests that that might be a way that multiverse is created. Mm-hmm. But there's mm. nothing that we know of uh, in terms of the mechanics of the cosmology that we understand that could cause that in that scenario. The other situation might be that if we, as a four-dimensional space-time, were embedded in a five-dimensional membrane, then oh. that fifth dimension, well, then you could imagine, although we, again, haven't figured out anything physical yet that could do this, you could imagine that our four-dimensional thing is expanding in the fifth dimensional thing almost because of something, say, a surface tension. In the same way that, say, an oil slick expands across right. a across pond, the surface right, of the water. Surface of the water right. when the water is and it just because it just keeps expanding no matter That's what. That's right. And so you have yeah. a situation where we're trying to figure out the mathematical aspects of how you might connect uh, four-dimensional space-times within five-dimensional membranes. But there's nothing physical yet that allows that to happen. So uh, so now, the answer, I guess, to the question is stay tuned. Okay. Yeah. So okay. if it's surface tension, Charles, could we not use that to travel? Like a pond skater across the surface mm-hmm. of a pond. Well, if it is a, some kind of surface tension, that would be an awesome way to travel in the fifth dimension. There you go. Right. But and then, is it then you could violate the, you know, this faster right. than light. But that's because you you're not. easily do that. Yes, but that's because you're not in our four-dimensional space-time anymore. The right. laws of speed limits and physics or whatever, mass, et cetera, could be completely different, which is, right. for example, one of the tenets of something called Randall-Sundrum theory, where Dr. Okay. Randall and say Dr. It, Sun- it, wait. Randall-Sundrum theory. Okay. Okay. Balara-Sundrum and Lisa Randall, uh, they right. came up with this idea some years ago, suggesting that if indeed our space-time were connected to other four-dimensional space-time via membranes, that might explain things like why gravity is so much weaker on same distance scales as the nuclear force, right? Why is that the case? These are the things that we don't know yet, but they're, they're being thought about. And that's kind of fun. Gravity is, is embarrassingly weak. Right, right. And remember, well, yes, gravity is ridiculously weak. But because it can extend over long distances and because it does not have a negative that cancels out the positive, Gravity in the universe on cosmic scales has no equal. Yeah. I may be weak, but I'll beat your ass any day. <laughs> Come on with it. What you want to do? <laughs> I'm gravity. Yeah, that is the exact voice gravity would have, I'm sure. Try <laughs> me. Try me. You know who I am? You all know who I'm gravity. No, I'm gravity. 
Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Who's teed up now? Okay, let's jump straight in. Joe Stamps. That's with an S. If you move backwards from a giant ticking clock at the speed of light, what does it do? Stop ticking because of the relativity or because the light from the next second can never reach you? Thanks for all you do and respect from me and my family who keep looking up. Oh, excellent. That's so cool. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, the answer is actually they're both right. Relativity allows you to think of time and space in different ways because 
they are relative to one another. They behave differently. So you do not see that clock tick because you are moving away from it at the speed of light. And so the sound or the information from the tick never reaches you. It will still tick in its own stationary frame of reference, but you will never know that it ever happened. So in that sense, you could say the clock ticks, but it doesn't tick for you. Oh, now, if, not if, if for whom a, if, the clock ticks. It ticks but for, for whom me. the clock tolls. Yeah, okay. So, wait, but if there's another clock that you're headed towards, mm-hmm. right. then you would see that clock go faster because you're catching up with every That's next right. tick, correct? That's right. That's right. So it's the, the direction it's, you're traveling. It's the frame of reference. speed, it's all about frame. Yeah, okay. Frame of reference. That's what makes the whole thing work. Nice, nice. All right, let's keep That's going. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about Alexandria French? Alexandria French. She says, my husband and I listen while we cook dinner every night. Aww. Nice. What are you cooking? <laughs> what you cooking? <laughs> yeah, and, and Maybe thanks French for sending cooking. us some. No, no, yeah. right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's exactly. French food. Uh, yeah. It's French cooking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, we'll have a little coquille Saint-Jacques. We'll take it. Uh, <laughs> let's see. She says, uh, I have a burning question that came from, uh, that I came from Patreon to ask if we could but put the a question burns. On- there's, a, there's an ointment it- for that, I think. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Hope, hope it doesn't burn while you're cooking. There Don't you burn go. your food. <laughs> Don't burn your food. <laughs> okay. If we could put a telescope on a galaxy, say 15 million light years away. Would the depth of the observable universe change based on the changing the point of the observation? Love it. Well, uh, the answer, Alexandria and husband, um, I would say is that no, it does not change. Because 15 million light years away, Alexandria, is actually the center of that spot's observable universe. 15 million, 15 billion, wherever you are away from us, that is the center of the observable universe at that point. You see, uh, we are living in a universe that expanded from a single point, which means that you can't actually point to one spot in our current universe and say that one is the center any more than you can point to any other place and say it's the center. So every spot in the universe is expanding away from every other spot. And therefore, we have an infinite number of centers of observable universes because every single spot is a center in its own observable universe. Am I thrown it often enough in there? But Charles, I got to add, if, there, if there's a galaxy at the edge of the universe, uh-huh. which is on the edge of our observable universe, and we go there, mm-hmm. that galaxy will see just as far on the other side. Yes of its location, and it'll see half the universe that we cannot see. Correct. So so it's in the center of its own horizon. So my thought, the question was, what will they see relative to us? If you go to to the horizon, they'll see parts of the universe we can't see. That will happen. They'll think they're in the middle of the known universe. Yes, that's exactly It's like being out in the middle of the ocean and spotting an island. Uh You're like, you know, land ho, but on the other side of that island, they may be looking out at stuff that you won't be able to see mm-hmm. as you look at that if island. If the island was on your horizon, right. If right. the island was on your horizon, right, right, yes. Right, right, right. Okay. That's right. I think that's so, where that was coming from, I think. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. 
Right, Gary, what do you got? Christopher Scott's next up. Given that energy is neither created nor destroyed, does this mean that all of the fossil fuels that are in the ground as forms of stored energy have been around for eons already? If so, are we simply redistributing the location of the energy on our tiny little rock in space? We are not actually adding any more energy to the system, just moving where it is. Can I take, can I answer this? Oh, please can do. Oh, yeah. Double okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead. You ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, all so first of all, energy can be destroyed by turning it into matter. Okay. So the, it's so the the concept of energy can neither be created or destroyed was modified after equals mc squared, and it's the sum of energy and matter that cannot be created or destroyed. It's the sum of those two. Okay. So now the fossil fuels are solar energy. Mm-hmm. Right. All those life forms got their energy from the sun. If they were plant life, they got it directly. If they were animal life, they got it because they ate the plants that got the sunlight. So fossil fuels is solar power. Except that it's polluting the air and it's, we're not going to be able to reproduce it because all that energy was came and been sitting there for us for millions of years. It's been buried energy. Once we use it and it radiates out into space, it goes back into the universe. It's not still here on Earth. Charles, you take it over from there. What else can I add? What a beautiful explanation. Completely correct. Uh, you can to- add the fact that the energy that it is creating is a perturbation of the atmosphere conditions that create global warming. Oh, and that is a great that thing. That creates more energy or actually intensifies energy and interesting part destro- of that cycle. It's right. going to destroy yeah. us all. That, well, we, we trap more sunlight. Yeah, yeah, right. We trap more sunlight. Magnifying glass. Right. Releasing the solar energy precisely, Gary. Releasing the solar energy that was stored in these microorganisms which were turned into coal and oil and natural gas or whatever these fossil fuels are. Uh, also releases at the same time how it got bound down underneath the earth, which in this case is carbon. And the carbon comes out in the form of carbon dioxide, and it is adding something new to our atmosphere Atmosphere, that we haven't seen in hundreds of thousands of years. So the answer is that if you define the system as the universe, including the sun and down in the earth and out in space, the energy has not been created or destroyed. It's been redistributed. But if you're right. thinking about the system as our Earth's atmosphere, our right. biosphere, the environment that humans live in, oh yes, we are injecting a lot of energy. Lot. We of are energy. adding a huge amount, and it's not just a balance change, it's an actual increase. And by all the right. different features that everybody here has said so far. So yes. And the diff- and of course the effect. difference is the original source of energy was the sun. It came to Earth, was stored and locked underground. Now we have re-released that energy. Uh, where after we've created civilization on a stable, relatively stable climate, and now we are altering the climate by re-releasing this Pandora's box of energy. Uh, right. Well, it, primarily because of the byproduct of it, which is the burning of fossil fuels, which is where you get your CO two. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you guys, go. Guys, we got time for one more question. Give it to me. All right. Okay, Gavin Bamber from North Vancouver says, please visit. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Sure. Um, 
I ask, what is the largest object in the universe? Whoa. The universe. The universe itself. Uh, the universe. Uh, okay. Uh, no, that's a lot. <laughs> I'm guessing Gavin was looking for a slightly different answer. So. How come we are, are so unified in that ridiculous mm. joke? I know. We said, said that too many times. It depends. Yeah. I think it depends what they mean by object. Right. Like, are we an object? Uh, so Great there are point. forces that hold together our right. molecules, but you can separate the molecules. Uh, Right. So what is the object? You or the molecules? Right. Right. Is the galaxy an object? Even right. though it's composed of things that were stars and planets. Right. Is, right. You know, so on that scale, what would you say, Charles? Well, if I were to say that an object is defined as something that is being held together in yeah, some recognizable way by some kind of force. I go with that. Okay. Then the largest objects are these superclusters of galaxies out in space. They contain huge amounts of matter. Our, our Milky Way, uh, you guys know, has about hundreds of billions of stars in it, right? But these superclusters contain thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of galaxies. And so you add all that together, and then there's all that cosmological dark matter in between them. And so you've got a huge chunk of material that all is bound together by gravity. So that yeah, would probably be the if it's bound if it's bound together. We think of that as a coherent object. Yeah, in that right. sense, the cluster as an object. Right. Yes. And what makes it work? Gravity, man. <laughs> it's, it's me, man. Gravity. Who you messing with? What you want to do? Okay, so an illustrator is going to come hear us, and then have gravity personify gravity. It's going to be Chuck's voice. <laughs> I'm gravity. I'm gravity. <laughs> Oh, you want to be Batman? That's Batman. That's not gravity. That's Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. Well, actually, what's going to work is teamwork. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 Gravity. <laughs> but Chuck, we've concluded in this episode, you are AI's overlord. That's what we did. <laughs> yes, right, well, Chuck. Thank you for being all my cringing underlings. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all we got here. Guys, thanks for doing this once again. Star Talk. Special edition. Neil deGrasse Tyson here. Looking up. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently 
at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.